My govanin melunin, and thanks for tuning in to Speak, Friend, and Enter, a podcast where my sister and I use Tolkien's books to explain some things the movies didn't make totally clear. She's Audrey, the movie geek, and I'm Leah, the book nerd. Let's jump right back in, discussing Aragorn and the mysterious rangers. So we'll arrow like now we're back in Frodo time. We're back in uh, we're back in the prancing pony, surrounded Ooh. by ferrets. Um, <laughs> That's my dream. Yeah. So Pippin is hanging out at the bar, and this is like Baggins. Sure, I know a Baggins. Frodo, Frodo Baggins. Baggins. So like, I'm just like, who is who is asking him this? Who is saying like, do you know a Baggins? Like, what? How does that come up? I don't think it's quite so stark as that. Mm-hmm. I can't obviously talk for the movies, but in the book, um, Pippin is telling the people around him funny stories from the Shire, and uh, mm-hmm. he eventually starts telling them the story of Bilbo's birthday party because oh. he's a dumb child. He doesn't realize how close that is to their current mission. Yep. Uh, so that's like not explicit in the movies, but it might be something similar. Like he's just telling that story. Oh, and old Bilbo Baggins and he's one like, of oh, the yeah, shady there's guys. There's another one over there. Yeah. yeah. Well, there are. It's uh, explicitly in the books. There's two very shady dudes mm-hmm. in there, uh, and maybe one of them was asking about a Baggins. Oh, there's two shady dudes in Prancing Pony at the time. Mm-hmm. Shady, as in they're evil tracking down like, uh, they're like a spy for Sauron. Yeah, basically. I wouldn't say they know what they're looking for, but they are definitely keeping their ears open so that they can report to Sauron and or Saruman. Gotcha. Yeah. Can't trust anyone. These can't days. trust. If you can't trust an old scraggly man in a bar, who can you trust? Who can you trust? Yeah. <laughs> the world's gone to hell. You can't, oh, no. you can't trust strange men. <laughs> um so then he flips out, Frodo does. Mm-hmm. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then he <laughs> falls backwards, and then the ring just like lands oh, perfectly whoa, whoa, whoa. on his finger. Does, does the scene happen that way in the book? Like where he falls backwards, and then just the ring just lands perfectly on his finger on accident? Yes. There is like an accidental ring putting on, but it's a lot uh, more slapstick than dramatic in the book. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> exactly. So when Pippin is like Frodo Baggins, Strider hears Pippin talking about Bilbo's birthday party, and he tells Frodo like your your tiny baby over there is treading dangerous ground, and you better do something. Yeah. And Frodo jumps on top of a table to get everyone's attention off of Pippin, and he gives a polite little toast, and everyone starts shouting at him to sing a song. <laughs> Um, so he he sings a silly song that's basically like Bilbo's parody version of Hey Diddle Diddle. Okay. <laughs> and when he gets to the cow jumped over the moon, he like does a little jump on the table, but he lands on a tray of mugs and falls off the table, rolls underneath it, and disappears. Holy shit. Uh, and Frodo isn't sure how or why it happened, but he suspects that the ring itself played him like yeah. the ring wormed its way onto his finger or whatever so like nobody saw him disappear in well the book. people saw that he was there on the table and then he was nowhere so they were definitely still suspicious but not like in the movie where like they he disappears before their eyes that's very true and they're like what the fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but then they're just like mm. and then they all just go back to they drinking. go back to doing ferret tricks <laughs> and like i'm probably blackout drunk right now <laughs> i don't think i saw anything that really happened there <laughs> hate when that happens. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so then what? what is the thing that Aragorn says? Like something... You something... draw too much attention to yourself. Mr. Mr. Underhill. Underhill. 
I love that. Yep. So then uh, they meet up with Aragorn, and now Aragorn they're... whisks Frodo away, <laughs> and then the other guys are like, I love you, Longshanks. <laughs> so now they're hiding from the Nazgul because you hear their deathly screech outside. Ugh, it's so bad. And... Do you know I read about uh, some mm-hmm. sound design mm-hmm. about what that sound actually is? And it's like a dude had done a lot of like editing of a sound and it's like two red solo cups being rubbed together really i think i know that the um the beasts that they ride the fell beast the fell beast is like a donkey's bellow mixed with like something else <laughs> interesting yeah. yeah that tracks mm-hmm. sorry i just want to see if it's really red solo cups or if i just made that up why did i talk about the movies i don't know anything about the movies <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I should be watching. So I can well, interject that info. I'm sure that I knew that at some point. Yeah. Confirmed. It is plastic cups rubbed together to make that awful screech. Yes, and uh, the name of the man who did that was David Farmer. Cool. Just to give credit where it's due. Yeah. I love Foley stuff. And that that's something that will come up more because there's a lot of really interesting Foley work that happens in the Two Towers because of... Helms all the yeah, all the battle definitely stuff. like it's pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. So okay, red cups screeching. <laughs> um, here's the question mm-hmm. related to that: uh, Do the Nazgul hunt for their own greed, or are they servants of Sauron? Would a wraith keep the One Ring, or would they deliver it to Sauron once they got it? There's no concrete information about this, but just from what we're given, I think that there's so little left of them as men now that they're basically just Sauron's puppets. Like, I don't think any ambition or lust for power remains in them, just obedience. Okay, so they just are drawn to the ring as, mm-hmm. like, they are tools. Basically. Exactly. Tools yeah. is a really good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. They don't ha- They don't have free will. Mm-hmm. They don't do things that they want to. They're just deployed by Sauron wherever he wishes. Okay, got it. Yeah. I would love to see, like, the way in which they, like, degrade into ghosts you know oh, totally. like that transition where they are men with free will and then like they, they slowly are i guess it wouldn't be too different from like Gollum. it just like happened to them for longer that's true it would be really super Gollum like mm-hmm. although they still kind of retain that very mannish form whereas Gollum is just like a grotesque bent over chameleon yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah that's interesting well i'm sure that there are fan artists who have done, like, process artworks of, like, every thousand years, here's what the men would look like. Yeah. I'll have to track some of that down. Like, what would it feel like to, like, slowly lose your will over your own, yeah. like, goals and stuff? And for sure. now you're just, like, working for somebody else. Especially because the Manish rings uh, gave them, like, the ability to influence other people's will. Mm-hmm. And the nine men who were given those rings use that to like amass wealth and power yeah. so imagine that like you have all this wealth and power and now you just don't care about it anymore and then you just start giving it to someone <laughs> exactly it's like yeah i've got enough gold it turns out i don't care about this all i care about is my lord and master and screaming a lot <laughs> so in the in the book they knew all along that their destination was rivendell but in the movie they just know to meet gandalf in Bree to find out more is that the case um, i don't think so, only because Sam's excited about seeing the elves when they leave. Oh. Is that true? Is that right? No, no, you're, yeah, you're right. I um, think they know to go to Rivendell, but they don't know how to get there. <laughs> they know how to get to Bree. What is the point at which she says, we're going to see the elves? Going to see the elves. 
No, it's it's something that Aragorn says to them. Aragorn yeah, tells right. them. It's like when they're walking through the woods. Yeah, you're totally right. Aragorn is the one who knows. Okay. It doesn't really matter, but... I mean, I think it does. Yeah. <laughs> just just that. In the book, they already knew. Yeah. In Riffindale's the movies, they're just like, I guess we'll go to Bree. It would probably be a lot of information to dump on you on, like, a, an average, excuse me, movie-going audience. Yeah. Like, we're going to Rivendell and we're going to Bree. And mm-hmm. They just want to keep it as streamlined as possible. Right. So they keep getting new quests. Ah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier to follow along. Definitely. Okay. More, more linear. Then uh, they're, they walk through... I don't know if that's like the dead marshes or it's just some swamps. I think it's called the Midgewater Marsh. Okay. It's just a marsh that's full of midges. Full of what? Midges. Midges? They're like little biting flies. Oh, oh yes. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, so they're... Full of women named Midge. <laughs> a lot of midges there. And they say they have really biting commentary about what you're wearing <laughs> and what you brought to the potluck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So they're hanging out at night and Aragorn starts kind of like singing a little song to himself while he's like sharpening his sores or something like that. <laughs> and then Frodo just like wakes up and he's like, who is she? Like, <laughs> it's like the creepiest, most it's, ghoulish. It's weird. It's really weird. Um, but he like, uh, he just somehow knows that Aragorn is singing about a woman. Yeah. Frodo does speak a little bit of Cinder and Elvish. Oh. Yeah didn't know that because bilbo does and he taught him yeah okay cool so he says it's the story of <laughs> uh, luthien and i can't hear the thing that he says he's like luthien <laughs> the name that he says is baron b-e-r-e-n okay. luthien and baron and something about how it, it implies that it's it's about the love between like a mortal man and an immortal woman yeah what i think what he said uh, was an elf maiden who gave her love to a mortal something yeah, like that to a mortal, um yeah. which is curious to me because in every other piece of like tolkien media it's the story of baron and luthien so it just like it makes my brain itch when he says it's the luthien. story of luthien and baron yeah. like what are you thinking aragorn he's <laughs> the number one fanboy of this story you <laughs> can't get the order right uh, so this is a very brief retelling of the story of Baron and Luthien, which we'll cover in much greater detail in a future Deep Lore episode, because cool. it's a very long story with a lot of twists and turns. Ooh, I'm excited for that. Yeah, it'll be, it's super dramatic. It's, it's one of the more dramatic and more, uh, like, English folklore stories in, yeah. in uh, the Legendarium. It includes werewolves. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in a recent Deep Lore episode, we talked about Thingol and Melian. Thingol is one of the high elves who saw the light of the two trees of Valinor, and Melian is one of the Maiar. Okay. When Thingol comes back to Middle-earth to collect the rest of his people to bring them to Valinor, he gets sidetracked by seeing Melian in a forest, and they're both dumbstruck and instantly in love. They hold hands and stare at each other for literally 200 years. Okay, a little less exhausting. Yeah. (laughs) When they come out of their stupor, they found a kingdom together, and they have a daughter, Luthien Tenuviel, the fairest of the children of Iluvatar, to ever live. Meanwhile, Baron is a man, the son of Barahir, whose name you might remember because uh, one of Aragorn's heirlooms is his ring. This ring was given to Barahir by an elf king named Finrod as thanks for saving his life during a battle against um, orcs and balrogs and as a token of friendship between their families. Yeah. So... Baron comes to Thingol's kingdom, and in the forest, he and Luthien see each other, and they instantly fall in love. Are you seeing a theme here? (laughs) (laughs) So Thingol isn't happy about this because he's a helicopter dad, 
And he says he'll allow Baron to marry his daughter if Baron can bring him a Silmaril, which at this point are in Melkor's possession. <laughs> so you, small mortal man, just exactly. go find like the darkest dark lord and take something from him. It's very much like, go get yourself killed so I don't have to deal with yeah, you. <laughs> for sure. Which is one of the parts of the story that's very like English folklore like uh, the king setting an impossible task so yeah. you can marry his daughter is very classic. Yeah. So to make a very long story short, uh, Baron is imprisoned by Sauron and Luthien escapes a bunch of dicks who want to control her and rescues Baron. Along the way, she makes friends with a very good, very big dog named Huan, who she rides. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Like, I, like Clifford the Big Red Dog. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but like, um, more yoked, <laughs> more combat ready. Got it. She, he's just a big good dog. Okay. Uh, Baron and Luthien and Huan escape from a bunch of other dicks and together they go to Angband to confront Morgoth. Yes. She sings a song that magics Morgoth to sleep and takes his crown and Baron cuts one of the Silmarils out of it. Nice. Yeah. One of Morgoth's servants, a wolf or possibly werewolf named Karkaroth, which I will not be saying with the correct pronunciation again, <laughs> uh, bites Baron's whole hand off with the Silmaril still clutched no. in his fist. <laughs> so Baron and Luthien and Huon return to Doriath, which is Thingol's kingdom. Yeah. King Thingol asks for the Silmaril and they're like, well, about that. So the hunt for Karkaroth begins and they want to get the Silmaril that's in his tummy. Mm -hmm. They find him and Karkaroth attacks Thingol but Baron jumps in the way and he's mortally wounded. Oh. Then Huan the dog attacks and kills Karkaroth, but he's mortally wounded. The dog is? What? Yep. So Baron hands the Silmaril to Thingol and dies. Fuck. That sucks. I know. <laughs> Luthien is overcome with grief and she lays down and dies as well because that's something elves can do. They can just die for being too sad. Oh. Yeah. Is that like a decision or is it just like, I'm sad. Oh no, I'm dying because I'm too sad. Or is it like, I don't want to be on this planet anymore. <laughs> Unclear. It could be either or both. Okay. Whichever is more convenient for me at the time. Gotcha. Uh, so she dies and her soul goes to the halls of Mandos in Valinor. Mm -hmm. She sings a song of sorrow to Mandos and for the only time in history, Mandos is moved to pity and he grants her one wish. So she and Baron are both returned to life. And both of them will in time receive the gift of men. That is a true death. Got it. So what they say in the movie, um, Aragorn says, is the Lay of Luthien, an elf maiden who gave her love to Baron, a mortal. And Frodo asks, what happened? And Aragorn only says, she died. Yeah. And that hurts me in my heart because that's like all Aragorn cares about with yeah. respect to Arwen. He doesn't want her to give up her immortality for him. Right, because that also means that they don't get an elven death, which means that their eternal soul like lives in Valinor. That won't happen for them. Correct. That isn't an option for Aragorn, but it is for Arwen. Right. But yes. but she does give that up essentially by living a mortal life. Exactly. Yeah. So like we had talked about that her mother, Calabrian, was attacked by orcs and uh, sailed west to Valinor. Arwen will never see her mother again. Yeah. And Calabrian has no idea that she'll never see Arwen again. Right. Yeah. It's so sad. <laughs> Shit. 
Yeah. So Aragorn like loves Arwen, but also wants to keep her at arm's length because he doesn't want her to give up eternity with her family and her kin and all elves. Yeah, just to be with them. To have one lifetime. Yeah. Although, he is pretty hot. He, yeah. <laughs> They're a real cute kid together. That's going to be it for this episode of Speak, Friend, and Enter. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Those reviews really help people find the show. If you have a question or topic you want us to discuss, please email us at speakfriendpod at gmail.com. You can also check out the show's Twitter at speakfriendpod for official pod stuff and visual aids. My personal Twitter is at askistwen, that's I-S-T-W-E-N, and Audrey can be found on Instagram at Audrey underscore underscore Lynn L-Y-N. Tune in next time for the answers to questions like, are all trees ents? What was Weathertop before it was ruins? And how in the world did Strider run off five immortal ghost men? Until next time, Muhu Torgizu Turuguskin. May your beard continue to grow.